The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hoopballers! Welcome back to another episode and another edition of Today in Sports Betting. I'm your host, Devin Ellington, at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. Uh, this is a hoop-ball.com presentation. And, uh, well, at Hoopball Gaming on Twitter also. At Hoopball Tweets. Got a lot of fantasy basketball stuff going right now. A lot of championship and playoff runs being set in stone. Trades, next year's stuff, lots of tools and award-winning rankings and in-season tools for you from us. So go check that out. Want to talk about Manscaped also. Show wouldn't be anything without them. Manscaped.com. Gonna go over there, use promo code HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. And uh, go ahead and get some treatment for your balls. Yep, that's it. Just going to be blatantly honest about it. I usually do the nose hair and ear hair stuff, but, you know, Manscaped sends out these funny reads, and sometimes I just can't do most of them because I'm just a curmudgeon, to be honest. But let's talk about your balls and how you can treat them and trim them. You know, the Lawnmower 3.0 has a really nice built-in LED light for your, uh, I think it's uh, called a gooch. You know, you get you can get in there real nice. Um, the weed whacker, uh, dual lithium batteries, so dual motors, tugless technology. I don't know if you've ever experienced tug, uh, tugs in that area, but it, I'm, you know, I'm just saying it sucks. Um, so go ahead and check that out. Check out the other products. They got some shampoos and beard scrubs, travel kits, real nice bags and underwear. Use that promo code HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 with manscaped.com. Get your lawn mode. So there's that. Of course, there's the premium stuff that I always harp on, but I'm going to leave that one at bay a little bit today. Um, going to have a really, really fun, fun, fun show. I'm stoked about it for the simple fact that I'm going to have an old compadre of mine on and... Uh, you know, it just seems like Kansas City roots and ties and everything uh, just kind of runs deep within hootball just because of me, uh, selfishly speaking, and being vain. But, you know, this is a friend of mine that, I mean, he's gotten me a couple of jobs. Uh, <laughs> he's helped uh, in more than one way with uh, life and sports knowledge. So, you know, it's a good one to have. And he's got his own project going, and it's a really phenomenal one. Uh, I wish I was still living in Kansas City because I feel like we'd probably still be doing recordings. And, uh, (laughs) you know, his name is Ty James. I'm still trying to get him on Twitter, trying to get the old man on the Twitter machine. But uh, he is of the Tailgate podcast, and I'm going to let him talk a little bit more about himself now. But, uh, again, Ty, thank you again. But I know we've been trying to do this for a little while, but – um coming at me live from taps on main you know the 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 bar that we speak of all the time on this show oh yeah um uh, first off glad to be here uh excited to be a part of this uh obviously love everything you guys do at hoopball um pay attention a lot you guys have helped me a lot in my uh, dfs game um I, especially when it comes to you know fantasy basketball just looking at things from a different angle it's always good to get different opinions and all that fun stuff and it just really helps round out the knowledge of what you're doing um a lot of fun. Always, always recommend it to people. Uh, yeah, I'm coming out from uh, Taps on Main because I forgot my, my uh, mic cord in the restaurant, so I had to record early. But uh, yeah, ready to do this. So we're uh, with the tailgate, technically on Twitter at just the tailgate right now. Um, but also, I do have a private one, and it's uh, Juice Bag. So I, I kind of sometimes don't really plug that one that often. Uh, but it's okay because you are of you know yeah, ju- just just i mean just yeah. we'll throw that out there for disclaimer folks so let's right. not get too hot and bothered but yeah um yeah we're really excited to do this and talk about some fun stuff i mean 
being in the Midwest, uh, including the Big Ten and the Big 12, I mean, it's just a center to Mecca for college basketball and right during the tournaments and a lot of stuff that's literally breaking right now, which is awesome, but also terrifying just <laughs> to see how these uh, tournaments are going to be conference tournaments are going to play out so we'll see yeah and you know what you're referencing to is uh you know and being plugged in the sports in kansas city is what i found what i found it was very enriching it was it was accessible and it was um a really fun culture to also be a part of you know you and i both you know speaking and then of course other people and counterparts that we're mutual friends with, you know, like Aaron and Duncan and of course, mm-hmm. Grant, you know, um, and listeners, I apologize. I know all y'all out spread across the country. You have no idea what we're talking about, but this is going to be a little bit of that episode today. So, um, but anyways, with the Kansas city sports tie-ins and everything like that, and just um, the industry that you are a part of and have been ingrained into for a while, which that being, you know, you're pretty much, you know, you're in there as a bar owner. I'm in the thick of Kansas city, right down the street from the sprint center and, um, being one of your bartenders there one time, you know, we saw some phenomenal things, some fun stuff. And, you know, we, we got to be a part of the big 12 tournament essentially. Yeah. And it was just, um, you know, those, those kinds of things are really fun and it stinks that like, you know, what you're referencing to the, with KU kind of just being ripped out of the big 12 tournament, Texas moving on, taking on the winner of Oklahoma state Baylor, mm. you know? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like a bit of a bomb. Oh yeah. It was, it was really heartbreaking, especially since it's uh, like fresh of like 30 minutes old. Um, I mean, especially downtown business and you experienced it firsthand, but when you're at a bar, like, it's literally a five minute walk from the sprint center or I guess now the T-Mobile center where they do all the big 12 tournament. Um, it's just heartbreaking to lose one of the major draws to that tournament uh, KU and one of the fan bases that's just so prevalent here in Kansas city, um, especially on an off year for traveling. But uh, luckily hotels are still full and um, have a lot of people wearing uh, gear out there. So we'll uh, see some text fans out there. So we'll see uh, how they all pull out. So. Yeah, I will just, I'll never forget the, just all the Iowans we had uh, oh, yeah. last year. Just, yeah. they drank a truckload of bush light, you know, like mm-hmm. literally. I mean, there were stacks of bush light tall boy cans, you know, bigger, taller than I am. And I'm six foot, you know, right on the mm-hmm. dot. So it, man, that, that was a lot is all I'm yeah. saying. That was, it was fun too. And so, you know, Iowa State fans always travel well, but with them having a down year, plus the travel stuff and the weirdness, of course, of course. Um, So we're going to dig into, you know, some more Big Ten stuff, you know, I'm sure, you know, you've got some opinions on that. And Mm -hmm. um, overall, just tournament stuff. And then later, you know, we can talk, we're going to I need you. I'm relying on you to help me out with some draft notes and such. Sounds good, man. You know, I sweat UAB, you know, Alabama, Birmingham college basketball games. And I've actually been working on my baseball article, the write-ups on that. So that's been taking a ton of time, but for the preview of the season. So uh, where do you want to start with the college basketball first? A specific tournament, a specific uh, team, a specific thing to look at? Um, honestly, I want to start with the uh, Big 12. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty fun tournament. And obviously with uh, KU just being bounced, uh, I mean, officially bounced, but, you know, not due to themselves, but due to a player positive test. Um, it's kind of one of the tournaments that I have uh, the eye on because – there's some of those uh, not like bubble teams, but there's there's a lot of teams that can make waves that are good enough to make deep runs uh, and upset some people in the tournament, but also aren't aren't being looked at. Uh, I mean, for the longest time, I mean, one of my dark horses that I loved, uh, and uh, especially in our in in a couple of brackets, I've, I had Oklahoma State winning the conference tournament. Um, Kate Cunningham is a monster, uh, and it's just fun to watch him play basketball. And I just kind of – I like this tournament because there's a lot of teams I can see going deep in the tournament, um, in the actual NCAA tournament. So, like, uh, when Baylor's – when they play lights out, they play lights out. You know, West Virginia is, is still scary good, but um, Oklahoma State has the best player, you know. And um, there's just a lot of things. And 
Um, KU is definitely hot and hot and not throughout the year, but it's definitely a fun tournament because it's going to, the seedings are most in flux for these ones. It felt like with the big 10 tournament, there's a lot of ones and a lot of two seeds, a lot, a lot of locked in teams. And this one's going to be like, who's going to have the easiest road to the, you know, to the finals or to, you know, the sweet 16 or to the elite eight, because it's all about where they're going to come to. So, yeah. Um, and as we record this show at, let's see what time when we start at one central, you know, there, we're pretty much kind of in the middle of a vortex of college basketball as we speak. And, mm-hmm. you know, the big 12 games being in the evening time, uh, we've had, you know, it was just kind of, you know, it sucks. We lost the matchup of the big 12, you know, and with, but at least we didn't lose the one with the team that you said, you know, that you're looking forward to the most with the player, you know, the most dynamic player in the conference. And I will say, and I don't try to go off of my homerisms too often, but I, you know, we were pretty much ahead of Baylor the whole game until we lost Cade Cunningham after he sprained his ankle late in that game. Uh, you know, we had a good firm <clears throat> fluctuating six to, you know, probably seven point lead down to five at, and four at times, you know, against this really, really talented Baylor team. And mm-hmm. I think with their return from the COVID stuff, they showed some vulnerabilities, um, all of which may not be rust based. You know, they just showed them a little bit more mm-hmm. and with an all around decent team like uh we have oklahoma state that is you know i i love the take on that and i'm just hoping for a good game tonight i'm hoping we don't get blown out so i'm definitely taking the points though because i think we were getting i think eight yeah i was gonna say i it was just under like nine or ten i remember that much Mm -hmm. it's definitely moved in favor of oklahoma state i know a lot of people have been backing them and i'm scrolling through like a madman right now trying to find it here yeah. we go. Started at ten and a half. It's down to nine. So I mean, that's that's a lot of movement in their favor. Yeah. Um, big matchup right here between the Buckeyes and the Boilermakers. Number nine, number twenty mm. battle. Um, tied ten ten currently. Uh, fifteen minutes left in the first half. I know you're a huge Big Ten guy. Michigan, mm-hmm. you, you know the Wolverines got a nice nice win. And uh, what was your when- look on this game um, before? Oh man, I mean, I was uh, cursing my television for a little bit in the first half when we dropped twelve points to uh, Maryland, and not Maryland's a good defensive team. Um, they they lack the offensive firepower that I think you really need to have like a, a deep run in the tournament. Um, but Big Ten always prides itself on like big defensive teams, um, and they played really well. And this was a very emotional game uh, when it came back. Uh, I mean, Michigan being down by twelve, but then fighting back to grab the lead in the first half by two uh, went on a 16 two run just to, you know, bring them that back in And Michigan's one of those teams that like, they might play soft for a second, but they're never down, which is, I really like this team makeup uh, trying not to talk too much about it because obviously I don't want to jinx anything that happens with my boys. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I love, I love their inside out game. Uh, the only issue that this team has, which is, which was glaring uh, at the beginning of this game was once Hunter Dickinson goes down with two fouls and has to ride the bench for a little bit, that bench, um, inside out game really takes a hit and you really need some of those bench guys to come out and start splashing threes to make sure that you kind of keep up with this game. Uh, Juwan ended up getting tossed in the second half. Um, still no necessarily release on what was said or who said it. Uh, but somebody said something to him and he just went at the bench and took two, three assistants to pull him back, uh, which kind of fueled the anger at the end of the game where Michigan's always calm, but they're like a calm assertive. And as soon as everything went down, they basically just kind of were like, we're taking control of this game. Uh, Minnesota tried, uh, sorry, they, uh, Maryland tried to fight back, but there's just nothing they could do. Uh, they were just completely outmatched uh, when it came to just the outside shot game. And then as soon as Hunter Dickinson came back, it was, they were just, they were under their skin, you could tell. And so it started getting chippy, but Michigan pulled it out. Yeah. Mike Smith, uh, grad transfer from Columbia, looked really, really good late down the stretch for them. Big Ten records. And, you know, there was a, uh, you know, Jawan Howard had gotten a technical foul earlier in the game. Mm. And I, that was like the quick pull trigger on him, I guess. Um, I was actually, I was watching the game and I had it up, but I was also 
doing some research and like getting prep done and all that good stuff. And I kind of heard what was going on. I like you know, clicked over to the tab and um, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess that, that happened. So, yeah. but nonetheless, it sparked a fire for them and uh, worked out. So um, yeah. I'm excited to see, you know, I, for some reason I've had a down belief on Ohio state all year. And just mm. haven't really backed them as much as I guess the common bear, mm. but um, you know I I've also had a bad time backing Purdue, so I'm in a tough spot in this game. But mm. uh, man, let's see. I'm trying to throw some games out there that I'm excited for. Of course, Oklahoma State, Baylor. We talked about that. Arkansas, Missouri. I, I you know. Arkansas is back to form. Missouri kind of yeah. tapered off, in my opinion. And uh, Arkansas, I've got them winning this uh, SEC tournament. Yeah. So, obviously, I want to support them in this spot. Yeah. And it was at minus three, like I said, when I got it. And it's risen all the way up to plus uh, – I'm sorry, minus five and a half. And so, a lot of, lot of bets and money coming in on the Arkansas side. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of really good um, – NBA talent in this matchup, in my opinion, um, not top talent, but it's definitely going to be, um, you know, the three headed monster in Missouri. And then Arkansas has got a couple of, uh, standouts for sure as well. Um, have you had any opinions formulated on the sec this year? Have you seen any of the bracket play out? Um, yeah, I've, I've been, uh, tuned in, um, even though I'm a gigantic Michigan fan, I uh, am a Mizzou alum. Uh, and, uh, I still kind of like, well, I like to check in now and then, um, I don't necessarily like, to be honest, I don't like the, the direction the Mizzou team's headed. They did have some good runs this year. Uh, like you said, I think they tapered off a lot. Um, and I do have them pegged as one of my early outs in the tournament and as much as painful as it is, uh, to say, uh, I just feel like there's a, I see, feel like there's those streaking teams that are coming back. Like Arkansas right there. I have them winning the tournament. Um, and then, uh, Alabama, I think Alabama is just one of those teams that, uh, can just come from nowhere and just, they, when they dominate the game, they dominate the game and it's just ridiculous, like what they can do. So it's one of those things where if they're a later seed, I see them just rolling through teams. Yeah. Um, you know, I was really high and there was a point in time on this show where it was like every podcast I was talking about Missouri and I was high on them and we hit Mm -hmm. on a few picks in a row. Um, and then they just, you know, they lost Jeremiah Tillman and it kind of just, you know, that that hurt them for a little bit. And then once he came back, it just wasn't the same. And uh, kind of the opposite going on for Arkansas right now. They, I mean, I believe it's Nate Oates who came in to coach them uh, from the Mountain West Conference. But um, really strong defensive presence. They move the ball. They get it up the court quick and they are aggressive to the rim. And I really mm-hmm. love their style of play. Real quick, I'm just going to update the listeners on as far as, you know, chronologically what's going on with college basketball on the slate. Throw some picks out there real quickly for this uh, cluster of like two o'clock games. And uh, yeah, and I'm glad I was because I'm literally looking at the lines right now. Uh, Tennessee just moved up to three and a half. I, I did throw out Tennessee minus three just now in the Discord server. Uh, with the guy, uh, folks in there. So um, if you're not a premium subscriber, that's one of the reasons to do so. Um, Adam, you know, I've shouted him out a couple of times. He asked if anyone was on it. I said, yeah, I'm on Tennessee minus three. Um, I picked Vanderbilt on Florida the last round. Vanderbilt ended up covering. Scotty Pippen Jr., by the way, plays for Vanderbilt. Huh. Yeah, I figured I thought you might like that little, uh, little toss out there. Um, and... Uh, Florida, you know, they've looked exposed in a couple of spots. I think Tennessee's length and their uh, stretchability matches up really well with them. And, you know, I got Tennessee being in either the semis or the finals. Uh, You know, I think they can beat Bama. They just, you know, it depends on what kind of game Bama plays going into their semifinal matchup. Mm. North Texas, Louisiana Tech. Our guy, Blake, our first half betting expert, Blake LaWatch, uh, at Blake LaWatch on Twitter. If you're not doing it, go do it. Um, he has got a couple first half bets in this one. He likes Louisiana Tech uh, to win by one in the first half and then for the over to go. 
uh, over 60, I believe it was. Um, so uh, make sure to check those out. Those are some plays that he has formulated. I actually like North Texas to win this game outright. I got them as a minus 105 money line pick. So Blake can have his first half stuff, and I can just go ahead and have the full game. I'm okay with it. Texas State, Jackson State. Jackson State's a pretty solid team, but this Texas State team, I believe, is just going to be the team that comes out of the uh, Southland Conference. I've watched a few of the other teams in their uh, matchups, and Texas Southern just plays the best defense, the best pedigree there. They've come out of this conference a couple of times the last five years. Minus two and a half, it opened at minus two. I'm rolling with the minus two and a half. And then real briefly to tie it all together for these two o'clock games, one of 30 games. Since And, you know, we're going to try to get this out. Like I said, it's it's going to overlap a little bit, so I apologize. But I at least wanted to talk a little bit about it. So Cincinnati, SMU, Cincinnati plus five and a half. I like that. And I honestly think Cincinnati wins this game outright. They're a plus uh, – it was plus two-something when I looked at it on the money line, plus 210, something like that. Um, it's down under the $2 mark now. It's plus 190. Yeah, it opened at plus 217. So um, that's a look that I like. Um, th- they got the David DeHulius, uh that used to play for Michigan, you know, uh, real good 3 and D kind of guy. And then if their guards can get going and they, you know, don't let SMU's defense stifle them too bad, then I think Cincinnati can uh, pull the upset. So um, with that being said, I've got one last game, and I think you'll appreciate it because you love good old classic March basketball. I do. I want to. I, I want to talk about UConn before right. we talk about the NFL draft or whatever other college stuff you have. You throw out what you got. No, that's fine. UConn and Creighton. Um, you know, with the controversy of, I can never remember Doug's is Doug's dad's name. Uh, Craig. Craig. Yeah, Craig McDermott. Craig McDermott, you know, with the drama, you know, that just kind of happened with him or whatever happened. Yeah. Uh, I'm already in love with this UConn team. I was so on them in the preseason because they made the jump back to the Big East. Mm. Classic UConn March basketball. I've been talking about it for a month and a half, trying to prep for it. I, you know, I'm hoping, and we've seen bits and pieces of what we've needed so far, for a classic March UConn run, you know? And I think that they win this Big East tournament. Uh, A lot of these teams are very, very inconsistent and streaky. Mm. UConn's probably the most consistent one, in my opinion. And I'm a little biased with lenses of that colored uh, likeness, but I just love what they do. They're getting a point right now. It opened as a pick them, but I took them at minus 105 on the money line. They're still there. So the spread mm. is moving, but they're not being becoming more of an underdog on the money line. Yeah. So not a firm belief on Creighton, in my opinion, from the market uh, being the higher seed. But I love UConn in the spot. Mr. Book Knight, uh, Acock, Acock. I talk about him all the time. AK, you know, that's what I call him. He's he's big, and uh, then you got Mister. Uh, oh, who's their other scorer? Polly Tyler Polly. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and uh, look look for those three to you know get stuff going against this Creighton team. And if you shut down the Creighton three point shooting, um, you're in the game. You're in the game. Exactly. Yeah. You're. Up. So, did you have any other thoughts on the on that game? And did you look at it at all? Uh, I did. I uh, so I uh, kind of went with my kind of like my gut uh, based off the statistics. Like if you looked at the average points per game, um, they're really like they're like four points apart, uh, which means that you know for me it's like UConn's going to be in this game. Um, and then I just kind of look at like the past couple games, like wh- where where they were at, and um, yeah, they're both on like winning streaks, I guess. You know, uh, Creighton won their last two, uh, UConn won their last five. Uh, but the difference in basketball was the way that they just played. And um, like you said, March basketball, man, UConn likes to control the tempo and uh, force you out of your game. And I feel like somewhat Creighton's head kind of in it and not in it right now with the whole debacle that's going on. And it's yet to rear its ugly head in this tournament. And so I feel like this is the time that it's going to. It's because it's going to be re- meeting real adversity and a team that likes to take you out of your game. And I feel uh, defensively UConn's underthought about. 
you know, and, and just kind of passed off. But when it comes to, you know, waking the players up to play around this time of year, you, you've got to give it to UConn. I mean, they're, they're in it time and time again. Moving back to the Big East was a great move for them just to kind of get back into the, the swing of things. But, yeah, I, I, I love their uh, – I just love their tenacity when it comes – like their, their scrappiness. And especially the last five games, they just – they don't want to be put away. And they, and they, they, come, they come to play every day. So. Yeah, um, like you said – Stop the three-point shooting, and you're in the game. Um, it's it's March basketball. I mean, that's all we can kind of say. You know, it's um, it, you know, um, so you know, we got a lot of late games tonight. I'm not going to really unpack a lot of them because, like I said, we want to feature some NFL draft talk on this, and ties definitely abundant uh, as far as a notebook goes for that. So, um. If y'all have questions or games that you have, you know, specific angles on that you're curious about, make sure to A, be following me on Twitter at D-A-L-E-007. And then also the web, you know, the website, you know, that's where you'll find a lot of our stuff. Um, and then you can also um, reach out to Hootball Gaming also, and we'll, you know, we'll get some discussion going. Chances are um, you're going to see – information that you don't want flying around anyway so uh rather than pack it all in one episode and just throw it at you we're gonna kind of spread it around through multiple outlets and um one last note on college basketball and we'll go ahead and get on moving uh we started the day off with the wager pass losing so i'm off to a 0 and one start for minus 2.7 units so we're gonna try to win those back with some nice mid-major action uh, spoil alert Spoiler alert, Nichols State. So, um, <laughs> all right, NFL draft transition here. And actually, before we do this, Ty, I need to talk about my bookie because this is actually a good uh, premeditated uh, ahead of the curve move here because my bookie, you know, they aren't doing it yet, promos and such, um, but they – run some really awesome NFL draft stuff that kind of correlates with our draft game that we play every year. Uh, I can't call it a game. I mean, it's, it's like a, it's more than a game, but nonetheless, now. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you go over to my bookie.ag, use the promo code hoopball, just all caps hoopball. Um, get in there. You know, I'm going to recommend don't go in and selecting a bonus. Don't select the bonus. Just use the promo code. Let them know who sent you. Get in there with Bitcoin. That's the way you get your money in. That's the way you get your money out. It's super easy, super fast. It's smooth and it's transitionable. If you don't want to do it, give me your email address and I will create an account for you and we will get rolling. So, um, and then, you know what, you tell me what picks you want made and I'll make sure to do that for you too. You know, I, like I said, I changed my title. I am a liaison for the sports betting market now. So, um, use the promo code, get ahead of the curve on this NFL draft stuff. We're about to get some really phenomenal nuggets and our brains are probably going to melt a little bit. There's a lot of guys that I'm familiar with, but I have not done amount, the amount of digging I need to be uh, at, at this point of the calendar year. So Ty's going to an enlighten us and you take his knowledge and then my college basketball picks and what we just talked about, take it on over to mybookie.ag. You bet, you win, you get paid. Use that promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Okay, Ty, All right. what class do you want to talk about the least or what, what position group? Hmm. um tight end's pretty weak right yeah tight end i was gonna tight end it's it's, what, it's, it's kyle pitts and yeah it's kyle pitts uh fryer move obviously comes off the board like second um uh, and then you have some some deep um deep guys that uh, i can't remember there's a it's like hunter long or something but yeah for the most part the this this that class of tight end is not what we've seen in the past there's definitely a lot of developmental guys um even like last year, there was a lot of guys who was like Troutman, you, you knew was or Cole Komet. Like these were guys that you saw as solid options, um, but they were going to have to be in the system a little bit longer. I think Kyle Pitts, which it's rare for tight ends to go into the league and be dominant year one. Uh, we don't really see it that often. We maybe see it toward the end of the year. Um, but Kyle Pitts and his skill set, we're talking about generational talent here. Uh, he could, he'll probably line up on the outside a couple of times, obviously, and they'll spread him out all the time because he is just that gifted. Um, I don't see him falling out of the top 10 
Um, there's teams that need a tight end that will look at him and, and, and try to figure all that stuff out. Uh, I honestly don't see him falling past Dallas, or if he does, he'll be picked up next at the Giants. Um, but it's just he is far and away one of the best tight end um, grades coming out we've seen. And sometimes that means a lot. Uh, I mean, I remember years ago, obviously being a Lions fan, that like LeBron was graded as being generational talent. And he's kind of coming to his own a little bit the last little bit, but he wasn't like that splash player when he was supposed to be in Detroit. But Kyle Pitts just recommends something completely different. And I mean, that Florida passing attack, you couldn't stop Kadarius Tony. You couldn't stop Kyle Pitts on the backside. And I mean, Trask is one of the lower quarterbacks coming out off the board. Basically, they think he's just a splash with a big arm. And that, honestly, his game was made up because of Kadarius Tony being able to keep the ball to him and having such a reliable weapon when it came into Kyle Pitts. And um, ball skills, uh, I whew, he's ridiculous. Body control, um, contested catches. Um, he knows just how to go up and attack it at the right point. Um, and if you put a smaller linebacker on him, or linebacker, the linebacker might not be fast enough. And then you, if you pull over a safety, like you better hope that it's a bigger safety because he will manhandle that, that safety and then just make him look foolish. And he owns the middle of the field. Um, my uh, favorite spot, landing spot that I would like for him, um, if say like a couple of the linemen go off the board pretty quickly and, um, or the Bengals go heavy free agent draft this year for linemen, if he made it to Cincinnati, that pair with Burrow would just be exceptional. Oh. Burrow loves his across the field tight ends and loves to use, utilize that position and need somebody that like him in the back are coming in the middle. Um, it would be phenomenal, but obviously I think their biggest need is offensive line to protect Joe Burrow. So you want, you have to address some free agency. And I mean, Kyle Pitts would just be phenomenal if he, if you know, he ended up there. Now you're talking about, you know, some of these offensive line, uh, products and all that. Um, now, obviously, there's the big, big talent out of Oregon, and you know, well, he opted out, and we're talking about Pene Sewell. Sewell, yeah. Um, you know, there. What other top end linemen are we looking at, and what team in probably the top five, top ten out of outside of Cincinnati is in a desperate need position for that? Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Um, Atlanta is yeah. always a thought because they said that they are going to go with Matt Ryan again this year. Um, so keeping him upright in the pocket, uh, I can totally see them going that kind of combo guard. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite, honestly, linemen in this draft is a uh, combo guard tackle. Um, probably can play everywhere on the line. Uh, it's Rashawn Slater. Um, he is just, he's, his hands are great. Um, his, his body movement, his lateral agility, um, he just he's quick and he's gritty and he, I love linemen that can play multiple positions. Um, so he's one of those guys where you can get him in on the line and even if you have your left tackle, you can slide him into guard or um, you know you can. And he's not going to be outclassed. Uh, he's one of my personal favorites coming out of this draft. Um, and where's he I, out of? What what school? Northwestern. That's right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to remember. Big Ten boy watched a lot yeah. of tape on him. Yeah. Um, probably why I'm so high on him is because very in tune to the Big Ten feel. Um, and just the things that he did against some of those defensive pass rushers from like Ohio state, Michigan, and he just bodied them up and controlled them really, really well. And then, like I said, the flexibility to move them all across that line makes him completely valuable when it comes down to it. There's a lot of names lower in this draft. I mean, uh, if you're looking top end 
Um, I mean, if the Jets don't go quarterback, which I think they will, they'll probably go all O-line, um, even though they did just get becked in. But uh, somebody like a Slater or something like that would really work for them to kind of like move them different pieces. Um, I'll say other than that, I mean, Detroit's in a complete rebuild, so they'll take best player available. So if Panay or Rashawn Slater fall there, you know, they're most likely probably going to go wide receiver, though. Um, it's just kind of going to be – most teams are going to – we could see the first historic run of first four quarter, uh, quarterbacks taken in the first like 10 picks. Um, but other than that, I, I pencil in at least two um, solid on that third. And then maybe that fourth uh, we'll kind of see what happens from there. Cause there's always a little shakeup that happens beforehand. And there's always one top player that, you know, does something stupid, knocks himself down in the drafts almost every year, it seems. But for the most part, we're going to, we're going to see what happens, but, I mean, I love a lot of the teams need linemen. Um, this is a really weird free agency year, but with a cap being so small, um, since it's coming in at roughly 11 million less before all these contracts happen, you're going to have a lot of older guys taking veteran minimum deals to try to get in the free agent market next year. Um, and this is all going to shake out in the next 10 days or so. And then basically you're going to see teams line. They're going to pick their guy and go. Um, tackles completely underestimated in this draft. There's a really, really deep um, offensive drive here. Um, some second round guys that you know jumped up at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater, love the yep. kid. Oh, I um, heard about him earlier in the year. Uh, oh, small yeah. school guy, yeah, small school guy, but um, won the basically won the Senior Bowl. And as far as our pick for like the tailgate podcast, he's the guy that got paid because he went from fourth or fifth rounder and jumped up and dominated that entire week and basically cemented himself and should be coming out in the second or third round. So he's going to get paid. Um, you have a lot of interior guys that can move around, which I really like. Um, and then some of the tackles, you know, like you got Sam, Samuel Cosme coming out. Um, I'm rising on uh, Eichenberg from Notre Dame. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent. Um, yeah. Your boy, uh, Oklahoma state was a uh, Tevin or not. Is it, it's not Oklahoma State. Tevin Jenkins, is that you Tevin, guys? Uh, yeah, I yeah. think that's correct. Yeah. yeah, love his long arms. Yeah, um, and his body control coming around the outside. So there's just there's a lot of talents. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. Just there's a it's a solid offensive line draft, but they're not going to go super high, which is going to be great. But like you're going to see a run in the maybe the end of the first and into the second, where just tackle, 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 offensive guard, um, center, and all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what is awesome about this, you know, tackle and guard class, I really, really love the fact that it's deep. Like you said, you know, last year's was kind of just, I mean, it was talented last year's was, you know, talented with, you know, like Jedrick Wills and Mackay Becton and uh, Chris uh, Worth and, yeah. yeah, worse. Thank you. That, that was the other and one. I was, Thomas and, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, even the guys that fell down towards, you know, the bottom of the first and into this, you know, guys like, a, and then even a little further, you know, Rick, uh, Robert Hunt. Um, so awesome, um, I like how deep and how, you know, spread throughout the whole seven rounds that this draft um, ha is going to have talent for the offensive linemen. I think you'll see guys drafted in the sixth round, seventh round having a chance of being in some spots to get a bunch of good snaps this year. Um, you know, it's just, it's a very, very deep uh, lineman class in my opinion, as far as just overall prototypical uh, work ethic. And like you said, swing guys, a lot of different swing guys in this draft too. Um, mm -hmm. There was, um, you know, I referenced my bookie and then how they do the stuff with like the 40 yard dashes and whatnot. I want to talk quarterbacks real quick, but I I want to talk about these. I want to talk about that forty yard dash prop and kind of get your ideas on that. And I, I you're smiling right now, so you probably I think you probably have a couple guys picked out. Uh, so quarterbacks, I want to throw out Trey Lance's name. Mm -hmm. Is there any water in his bucket for a franchise? Like, I mean, is for him being such a like and there is not a ton if i mean at all like of you know overall games played or reps or snaps mm -hmm. i mean he's a fcs quarterback and as we know their season was kind of chopped mm -hmm. they played two games this year right um so but he was recruited very highly mm -hmm. um 
he could have played power five quarterback uh, from what I've read. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. The things to note, especially about the FCS, especially North Dakota state, they are good at transitioning prospects and getting quarterbacks to play into systems, uh, which I really like because they, they, they have to set the coverages. They have to set the, the offensive line and they have to basically run the entire game from the quarterback's pocket, uh, which makes them almost a little bit more pro ready at times uh, for, for that in the NFL. But at the end of the day, it is a developmental prospect. Um, but even then, like some of your other ones, like, you know, Zach Wilson, who I love and uh, Justin Fields, um, they basically, they, they all have stuff that they need to work on too. Uh, I like Trey Lance. I just, it's definitely always, always about fit and where they go uh, when it comes to it. There is a franchise possibility for someone like him. I mean, I mean, Carson Wentz coming out as well, like looked pretty good until this past year where he looks trash. But for the most part, there is, there is a lot that is on the North Dakota state quarterback that even though he's played a lot less, which is the big question mark, there's still the things and the intangibles that he's done. And he did do right by going out and getting some pro um, trainers to, you know, help him improve his game and, and work with the right people. Um, granted, this is a lot of, um, there's a lot of inflation around people right, right now because a lot of the people that worked out with people are trying to get their guy drafted. So you see a lot of those pro workout scouts and all that stuff. They're like, this guy's the greatest guy ever, you know, look at all the stuff he can do. Um, but in the same fact, there's a lot of just trying to drive the draft pick for that single person. Uh, I believe that he has the capability, but he, I, he's going to need a developmental time. He, and anyone that I think just grabs him and tries to put, start him right from the jump, I don't think it's going to work out. Um, not saying the kid can't do it eventually. I'm just saying that he might not necessarily be ready for jumping from the SEC into the uh, NFL is a big, big jump because of the speed and all that stuff. Jumping from a FCS to the NFL is otherworldly because of the amount of talent that you're playing against. And when you don't get those games and you don't get, you know, almost pro snaps against, you know, division, super division one talent, it kind of puts you at a disadvantage for coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. Um, you know, Carson Wentz, the only other true, like, you know, I guess North Dakota State, FCS. Uh, and then there was Joe Flacco out of Delaware State, but. Yeah. Um, Joe Flacco, oh, Mr. Flacco. Flacco, Flacco, Flame. I dude, I actually watched his um, championship game. It was Delaware and Delaware State. It was the championship game of the FCS oh, playoffs. I lost you. So that was pretty funny. Um, there was another prospect that I was looking at, and then I'm trying to find him again because I got distracted. Oh, you're good. Um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna talk about um, just a comparison from this year's draft to you know last year's, and Travis Etienne to mm-hmm. J- Jonathan Tellback Taylor. You know, um, is uh, I I mean, so I I had to eat my words last year. Uh, I'm not big on Wisconsin backs. Um, it's just it's been one of those things with me. I've seen time and time again that they come out and. They don't do anything because there's there's so much you know usage in college. Right. Um, sometimes same things with Alabama backs, um, but obviously that's being rewritten as we're speaking with Derrick Henry and um, you know Mark Ingram had a solid career um, um, with the Texans now. Um, but so basically, uh, I really like DTN. I think he's the most well-rounded running back coming out of the draft, um, especially because he is except exceptional in the pass game and and receiving and just receiving back out of the backfield he is what you look for um he's very consistent um knows how to hit his holes you know sometimes one cut back not a super dancer uh but great you know like and i do like him a lot um but i mean i jonathan taylor definitely has proven that he's ready for the pro level um especially toward the end of the year had a rough start from this from the beginning but um i think we discounted his body size a little bit and thinking how much uh, he has and we'll see how he does this year. You know, sophomore slumps maybe come around. Uh, but I, I love I love ETN. I just think that this running back class is very very close, and I don't think that there is the clear cut number one. There's all these backs that do something good or something different, and there's a lot of talent on this back in, or in the backfield here. But I I don't see them as a 
I very rarely see anyone as a three down back coming from this draft class. Yeah. Uh, I can see Jonathan Taylor being a three down back. Um, Etney, I think he's a two down back, you know, pass coverage, you know, coming in second and third downs. Um, right system, he could, could turn him into a three down back. I totally believe it. But there's a lot of, you know, role players and all that stuff. I mean, one of my favorite running backs out of this class is Michael Carter from uh, UNC. UNC yeah. And he's going to be a third down role, but I mean, he could be a Shane Green type. Um, that's kind of the comparison I have for him um, is, you know, four or five years of good, consistent, you know, out of backfield, you know, catch and, catch and release and just go, you know, and that's kind of where I see everyone kind of working for that. Yeah. He had uh, 25 catches for 267 yards, Michael Carter, you know, this season. Mm. And then since we're talking about running backs, I'll throw a couple more out there and then I'll use one as a pivot to that 40 yard dash and the quick guy stuff. Mm. Um, I like Gainwell out of Memphis, Kenneth Mm. Gainwell. Um, Nice physical running style there. I think someone might be able to find some usage for him. Um, Mm. You know, it, it depends on how fast he runs. You know, we'll see what happened in the offseason. He's one of those running backs that if he packed a couple extra pounds on in the offseason, it kind of ruins his game yeah. and his explosiveness to create that power. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, I've talked to you about him a couple times already, but I'm just in love with him. And I've talked about him while handicapping buffalo games in the college football season and that was Jarrett patterson mm. uh just complete you know joystick like running back mm. and i say that disrespectfully almost because he is very complete and i would watch a buffalo game a week just to watch mm. how he positioned himself with his quarterback or how he would take play action handoffs what you know just the way his upper body would move on three or four runs in a row or just you know and it, it just was impressive like everything that he did it was fluid it's very it can be jittery or jitter buggy you know but I mean he is deliberate with his cuts his pass catching is really good mm-hmm. and he is a very smart Uh, running back also and I like how he can sit in zones I like how he's also able to break off man coverage and then how he sees what blitzer might be coming and he picks up the gap penetration a lot better than some of the other running backs that I noticed in college football this year so um yeah I mean he's really fast right I was yeah Patterson is great I love um almost that shiftiness um shiftiness and agility is like you said it's it's unrivaled um currently for him uh, where he does seem like sometimes he makes too many moves um but a good running back coach will calm that down uh but also in the same fact we said the same thing about LaShawn McCoy coming out and um he needs to stop dancing he just needs to hit the hole and that led to a very good career for LaShawn McCoy because he was so elusive um and sometimes that elusive like you can't teach that type of body control um, obviously my favorite running back of all time, Barry Sanders, um, grew up watching him as a kid, loved how he could just turn and cut on the time. And being that elusive is a rarity. And if he continues that in the pros, like he, yeah. And, he, and you're looking at a day two, day three grade on him that, you know, there's a lot of other people that are going to take different talents. So he could, he could be that third or fourth round running back that it gets drafted and then becomes like an instant playable candidate. And like you said, the joystick, I mean, going back to people like Dante Hall, Tyreek Hill, like that's what the NFL is going around about this year is like the, the NFL is all about those guys that can make people miss and make plays. And Patterson is one of those guys. Yeah. And like I said, he just was a, I mean, there was multiple games. He scored five touchdowns. He broke mm-hmm. the, or he tied the college football single game record at seven. I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, there's a game he hit six touchdowns. It was just in, he had, I think it was 300 yards rushing in one game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just breaking off 80 yard run. I mean, it was just. Yeah. He's that, that guy that, that once you get to the open field, you can't catch. Right, right. Um, I, very I, Raheem Mostert-ish to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like I like Mostert, you know, just wish he could stay healthy. I love what he does as a running back. I mean, it, those are those kind the kinds of running backs that I kind of tend to like. And it's either I want you to be like that or I want you to just completely run everyone over. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just love those power backs. So, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, Patterson seems like a little bit more shifty Jamal Charles to me because um, his first step is almost yeah. full speed. Yeah. And I love that about Jamal Charles coming out is he was so quick that like he would just go through the hole. Next thing you know, he was at the, he was in the linebackers, you know, using the secondary. Um, Patterson's one of those guys where he hits top speed so quickly that you can't like he'll break open a play, but just by taking it to the outside and then next thing you know, no one's catching. And that's yeah. that's what that's great and fantastic in the NFL and very rare. So are you thinking that he has a chance of putting up the top 40 time or do you think that's going to be Jamar Chase or? I think, honestly, I think the uh, top 40 time is going to come from the defensive back position. Um, there's a lot of different times. Uh, I do see some really good 40s, um, but there's been a couple of guys. Uh, I mean, Eric Stokes just ran at the HOA uh, combine workout that they had. He ran um, a 4-2-4 or 40 um cornerback out of uh georgia is blazing um clocked him at 22 miles an hour um there's one guy that i'm really really excited to see run uh it's jc horn out of uh south carolina, south carolina. um love horn and uh, apparently there's a rumor going around uh that in the notre dame game um sports science went down and dissected it and at one point in time during one of the plays he was running at 24 miles an hour which would be the like fastest recorded time then faster than most stuff in the pros and there's that there's a 40 time speed and there's like a game speed um so we'll see what he actually does with his 40 time speed but uh game speed i mean if you clock out at 24 miles an hour holy crap right. that is that is just blazing that's still fast that's yeah. still really really fast uh, uh folks that just ran it i i've never seen anybody he has to have done track or something like that at some point in time in his life because I've never seen someone come that clean out of a 40 in almost every year that I've been watching. It's been, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that'll, you know, coming the way you come out of it, it's going to be obviously huge and getting a really, really good time and a sub, you know, four, four time or whatever mm -hmm. it is they shoot. It seems like four two five is like the target now and pretty common. Yeah. It's like guys just keep getting faster and faster yeah. and stronger Anything and stronger. Four three is much needed it's like people are like, yep it, it just cements the draft i do think the 40 is overrated when it comes to the combine stats because yeah. there's so many other drills that i want to see be more uh focused on like the three cone drill or um you know just like the vertical like just um some sometimes you know obviously score like lineman the bench press um but i do think the 40 is overblown um because run rich run uh in my personal opinion but it's you know, it's a staple and it shows something. It at least shows raw speed and speed. Speed can make up for mistakes. Um, Chad Stewart uh, or Chad Surratt, one of the, the linebacker out of um, uh, North Carolina, yeah. he is a fast linebacker. He's only been playing linebacker for uh, two, three years. And he was out of position a lot, a lot in North Carolina. But he was able to correct it by being so much faster than everyone on the field that he would still get up there and make the play or caught or be able to, you know, fix it by being out of position because his speed overcame his lack of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, you see that in some guys, but unfortunately with the NFL, it's hard to, it's when everyone's got, got that same closing speed or that same set or that mirroring separation speed. Um, but yeah, it's funny you brought his name up because I was actually th scrolling through some guys and looking at some notes and stuff. And uh, I was actually just coming across his name and um, there was uh, Micah Parsons, mm. uh, you know, kind of flip it a little. Him being more of the lesser athletic-based linebacker, you know, he's mm. very cerebral. But, I mean, he's strong. He's very strong, too. Mm. Uh, smart, smart linebacker out of uh, is Penn, Penn State, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Penn State and I was very impressed with just about every snap I saw him take and um, he's one of the more top end prospects in this draft out of the linebacker spot they and, consider uh, a top 10 talent yeah, it's just, yeah. Uh, in the whole draft the only issue um, plaguing him is behavioral um, a couple of things he was involved in Penn State and um, some of them being violent issues it's one of those things where it's like is that going to translate well to the pros and um, I think that he is good. And he, like you said, he's completely cerebral. He knows what the play is happening when it's happening, but it's like, can he control himself 
and to be worthy of that top 10 pick, you know, or to be worthy of that first round high first linebacker taken off the board. Yeah. And with what teams need and what teams around the, you know, projection of where he might land, you know, is obviously a little different. You know, there's a lot of these guys, you know, like Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Kyle Pitt, you know, there's all these weapons. And then you got the flurry of uh, quarterbacks in there and then the top talent of Pene Sewell. So it's, uh, it's just, it's kind of hard to imagine him. Uh, he is a top 10 talent, like we said, in uh, agreements, but I, I think he could drop, you know, to like 11 to 12, um, oh, yeah. just based off of, and then obviously this is all speculative because we have no idea what's about to unfold with, you know, draft pick trading or free agent, you know, there's teams starting to do some transactional things, you know, mm-hmm. Tom Brady getting the extension, um, the, the Patriots trading for Brown, mm-hmm. uh, there was another move in there. I think a lineman, uh, you know, obviously the Raiders locking in Derek Carr, that, that kind of tips their hand as far as what they were looking to do. You know, we're not going to see the Raiders trade into the top five to get a quarterback now. Probably not. I mean, maybe Mike Mayock's a genius. So we'll see. (laughs) No, Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, What other, you know, we'll talk, you know, throw a couple different prospects out there before we wrap this up. But um, I was really interested as far as, you know, just a talent that you were super interested in in this uh, draft or what, um, you know, you, you talked about Atlanta briefly, but what other maybe coach like might need to nail this draft in order to extend his coaching life? Um, there, it seems like there's obviously not a lot of coaches super on the bubble right now. Um, because there was a massive, obviously, change in overhaul of coaches. Um, so any of the new coaches need to nail this draft because they're already treading some light water. Um, there's a lot of pressure on uh, Coley from uh, Texans right now just because if they don't keep Deshaun Watson, um, and I've been very, very adamant that Bill O'Brien completely crippled that franchise. I mean, what you're talking about, if you lose Deshaun Watson, you lose Deshaun Watson, you trade DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals, then, they, then you give them J.J. Watt. Like, are the Texans just a farm team for the Cardinals? And you have all this, like, like mysterious surrounding that team. That's just kind of uh, – he he has to nail it his first little bit because um, the GM and him are going to be on – they're going to be in hot water just start. Um, from there, it's obviously uh, what do the – you know, what do the Saints do without Drew Brees or with Drew Brees if they have him back? And um, some of these teams that were just on the cusp of – you know, making deep runs or taking it to the Super Bowl, beating the Buccaneers. Uh, I mean, the Saints beat the Buccaneers twice this year. They're the only team that did it. And then the Buccaneers, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times. It's really hard to beat a team three times. But it's like they were there. Um, And you had, you know, the Packers. And, I mean, even the Washington football team was the closest team in the playoffs to upsetting the Buccaneers, um, which no one would have pegged because all that. I mean, Washington, Washington football team, Ron Rivera, has to start nailing some picks, you know, letting, um, letting out Smith go, I think was a mistake. Um, and where they're at with that, with that program, um, they're not super high to where they can, they can trade up to get a quarterback, but it's going to cost them. Um, and the quarterbacks that are probably all going to be gone by the time they're there, we have no idea what's going to happen in Washington. So there, there is this like feeling of, are they going to be bad for another year? And they might. Um, but you need to add talent somewhere on that roster. Um, and the free agency market is just not there for quarterback right now because all those names are already gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the, there's, there are a few franchises that are just kind of in a weird, just like a weirdness zone. You know, it's, uh, I, I thought it was funny what you said about the Texans being the farm, kind of like the farm system for Arizona, it feels like, um, you know, and I was actually kind of surprised about JJ Watt going to Arizona. I thought Buffalo would have been really, mm-hmm. really interesting. A Buffalo yeah. or Kansas City? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know Kansas City drafts, develops their guys up front, and they do a really great job with it, and they're in a great position right now at those positions. But just the dynamic, you know, right. it, it, we'll see with the health. But and then I also thought maybe he was going to go and join his brother in Pittsburgh, right? So, 
the uh, the Chiefs just need a DN that isn't a splash play DN. Uh, Frank Clark is great at making plays, but he's a splash play one or two plays a game type. They needed a player like JJ where it's going to be constant play in, play, yeah, exactly, play in, play out, always getting there. Always um, just rushing the either the lineman, the chip blocker, the quarterback, the pass protector, like whoever is assigned to him, on you know, just team. making them uncomfortable. Yeah. Because on the other end, other side, you know, you got Chris Jones, you got the middle penetration, a lot more of that edge pressure you can get in there. So, yeah, it's a, it, it was definitely weird that he did go to Arizona, but I mean, hey, he saw something he likes, and maybe, maybe Cliff Kingsbury shouldn't be written off this early. Um, I, I feel I didn't see a lot. For, I saw Kyler be good last year, and I saw obviously him be able to use DeAndre Hopkins. But I didn't really see any pro level coaching from yeah. Clingsbury throughout the year. Uh, I saw the fact that he, I mean, and it can happen, but he relied a lot on talent that he had. But some of the better games they had and better plays they had were like one the one they played against Buffalo were, you know, great players making great plays. And that's Kyler Murray escaping the pocket, who I think is the best running quarterback in the NFL because he's an actual quarterback, not just a running back that plays quarterback, Lamar. Um, but I, uh, I feel like that play, you know, Kyler Murray to Hopkins was great players making great plays. You know, Buffalo played that great. You just can't out hop Hopkins. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He went up and got that one. That was, man, that was a good game to catch live. I really, really enjoyed that. I'm glad I was able to watch that game. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, I mean, cause it went, you know, it was like Buffalo scored the touchdown and then they just came right back and just <laughs> that heave, you know, he just mm-hmm. like, javelin through that football and then it landed in hopkins hands the most perfect way and it was like really close to the goal line too like he fell horizontally just on the other side of the goal line so Mm -hmm. luckily he didn't get forced out right well ty man you know we we talked a good amount about college basketball we talked a good amount about you know just different kansas city stuff and Mm -hmm. uh draft prospects and all that good stuff um, I always hate this part of the show, but it's uh like the unfortunate ending, you know, like the yeah. bittersweet symphony, you know, uh, or like the closing time playlist that you have, you know, at, <laughs> at taps. So yeah, it um, ends. it's like once you hear the first first song, it's just kind of like, oh man, it means <laughs> it's that time. But yeah. man, I, I really uh, love what you guys are doing with the tailgate podcast, obviously. So listeners, make sure you check them out at tailgate at the, at the tailgate podcast. Mm-hmm. The yes. Okay. I want to make sure you get that in there. Um, and then just draft stuff, you know, reach out to Ty on this and just pick his brain because it's, it's completely uh, dumbfounding what he knows. And uh, again, like I said, a really good close friend of mine was so happy to have him on. And I'm sure it won't be the last time. I'm absolutely positive of that. And uh, stay tuned for maybe a Saturday podcast. I think I just decided in my brain that I was going to do that and talk about college games. So uh, I said it now in recording, so I probably have to do it. So yeah, look out for that, guys. I'm going to talk about like 60 college basketball games. Um Again, Ty, let's let's get a good farewell plug in for you. Just again, you know, name, sex, location, ASL. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> like the old chat rooms. Oh man, AIM like coming now. back with that. Make me feel old here. Right. Uh, yeah. Hey, they closed all those chat rooms out, so there goes parts of our childhood. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously look me up on the Tailgate podcast. Um, also big shout out to uh KCPN, um, kind of a network we've been working with right now. Um, got some big, big news coming for that. Uh, follow KCPN if you're looking for just some fun stuff. Uh, big news coming on the 22nd of March. Um, and then from, from there, it's just, you know, tailgate. And then if any questions, let us know. And I'd be happy to come on and talk draft or anything like that ever again. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to tie into your shout outs and your plugs again, because, you know, KCPN, again, we're just throwing common, regular old, like, not common's not the right word. Uh, familiar, you know, like Kansas City Podcast Network. Like, you know, we know what that is. So go check out KCPN, Kansas City Podcast Network, y'all. Um, and then 
yeah, like look out for the big news. I'm excited uh, for what's to come for the podcast and for you guys. So um, I'm excited to keep dinging these home and homes back and forth and playing ping pong and getting some really great coverage together. So I think um, Kansas City's in good hands with you guys. That's for sure. And then if you're in Kansas City, go eat at Taps on Main and drink some oh, beers and stuff. You know, like go, you, you got to get that stuff. So uh, phenomenal, phenomenal beverages and awesome people like Ty. So, all right, Ty, I'm going to go ahead and politely hang up on, on the call here. But again, thank you guys. You remember where to find us. If you don't remember, uh, at DALE007, at Hoopball Gaming, hoop-ball.com. Use those promo codes, leave the five-star reviews, all the other stuff that podcasts do when they don't know how to say goodbye. Goodbye. Sending good vibes, good energies. Y'all have fun. Be positive this weekend. Take care. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.